0: If you're struggling with anger, uh, young men or, or, or really young women, either one, if you're struggling with issues of the heart, then I would encourage you that one of the resources the Lord has given you to help you through your sanctification is your pastor.
1: Hello and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Timothy Guest filling in for Byron Tyler today. Before we get to our guest, who I'm very excited about, I want to read a portion of Scripture to us from Psalm 119. David writes, "O oh, how I love thy law! it is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false Way. Today, our guest is Louis Sacron. Louis is a pastor. He's also a certified biblical counselor, and I'm thankful to call Louis my personal friend. We talk rather frequently. We're both pastors, and uh, Louis has been a great encouragement to my life. I wanted to bring Louis on today so we could talk about this topic, uh, the pastor, the church, and biblical counseling. Louis, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint.
0: Thank you, Tim. I am uh, really thankful for the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Like you said, we've been good friends for a while, and we talk on a pretty regular basis and around some of the issues we'll talk about today. So I'm just uh, really thankful to be with you.
1: Lewis, you're a personal friend, so I know you well, but our listening audience doesn't. So if you would just take a couple of minutes and tell us a little brief biographical sketch about yourself, where you're from, where you pastor, your family. Let our audience get to know you here a little bit.
0: Sure. I grew up around an hour and a half outside of Nashville, Smithfield, Tennessee. Whenever I was 21, I met my wife, Abigail, and uh, she lived in Ripley, Mississippi at the time. And so I came running down to Mississippi to marry her, and I'm really thankful for the way the Lord orchestrated all of that, for the uh, wonderful wife that the Lord has given me. She's been a great support, and I would not be able to even begin to discuss these kinds of things without her support for me and her vision to free me up in uh, this sort of ministry. So married to Abigail for 17 years. We have two children, Lily and David, and we live in New Albany, which is about 20 minutes outside of Ripley, Mississippi, where I am the uh, full-time senior pastor. I've been there at a full-time capacity for a little over a year and have been a part of that church for about 17 years.
1: And what's the name of the church, Lewis?
0: Ripley Primitive Baptist Church.
1: Very good. I, I'll just have to throw this into our audience for a little humor. I first met Lewis. Lewis, how old were you? Were you, you were 21 when you met
0: Abby? I think I was 20.
1: Okay. So I remember where it was. It was at a, at a Christian camp that I grew up going to. Lewis had never even come to this camp. I grew up knowing Abby, and she was in my circle of friends. And this tall, skinny dude from Middle Tennessee, he just comes in, and in one week's time, he sweeps Abby off her feet. And I'm like, who does this guy think he is? You know, I've been around these, these girls my whole life. And uh, so <laughs> I didn't really like you at first, Lewis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the Lord orchestrated all of that before i went to that camp that year my mom had made mention of me going to camp to find a wife and the lord had really been working in my life that year i was not interested in finding a wife and just kind of shrugged it off and then uh Turns out the Lord knows better than I do. So that's the way that works. Well,
1: I love, I love the providence of God. He is at work in our lives, even when we don't even know what he's doing. That's easy to say, but that's something we have to embrace every single day. So today, Lewis, I brought you on. We want to talk about, again, the pastor, the church, and biblical counseling. I read that passage from Psalm 119, obviously on purpose in that passage, it just highlights the preciousness of the Word of God for God's people and just how practical and valuable that it is. So that passage I read, that was Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. And it tells us that the Word of God gives us wisdom, that the Word of God is wiser than certain so-called experts, which is a pretty big claim. And it tells us that the Word of God is to have a practical effect in our lives. So it's not just theory. So verse 101 said, I've refrained my feet from everything every evil way that I might keep thy word. So the word is impacting David's life. And then I wanted to highlight this, the word of God is satisfying. Verse 103, how sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So Lewis, with that background, I'm sure in biblical counseling, you go to Psalm 119 a lot. Tell us what is biblical counseling and and why is it important? Sure,
0: so uh, biblical counseling is, There have been several people that have defined it in in several different ways. I think about uh, David Pallison, who simply said that biblical counseling is just having a wise conversation with another individual. And, of course, that wisdom must be based on something, and what he meant was based upon the Word of God. And then you would have some that would uh, talk about biblical counseling as taking the Word of God and applying it to the issues, the problems, of everyday life. And so just like what Psalm 119 hits again and again and again, the Word of God is sufficient for all of the struggles, all the questions, all the things Peter says in 2 Peter 1, all the things that pertain to life issues, to life and godliness. And so you had mentioned earlier that as far as the Word of God is concerned and and how we view the Word, this is not original with me, but a pastor in Kentucky named Brad Bigney says on a regular basis that when it comes to God giving us His Word, He doesn't just want to stuff our head full of information, but really He wants to use that Word uh, through the work of the Spirit to bring about transformation in the hearts and lives of His people. And so biblical counselors have that goal in mind and seek to facilitate that sort of transformation in the lives of believers. So is that
1: kind of like, you know, when you just said that about God's Word not just designed to fill our heads with information, but to actually impact us? I'm thinking of that image of disciples, right, of being in the school of Jesus, which we would probably all love that thought as Christians and hearing it in a sermon, hey, you're in the school of Jesus. That's a neat thought. Jesus is my teacher. But what does that look like practically? It has to mean a frequent confrontation. I don't mean that in a negative way, but a confrontation with the Word of God and how it's to impact my life.
0: Sure. Sure. If you think about God's goal or God's agenda for every single Christian, we know from Romans 8 that God's goal is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. So in God's providence, he's going to bring about opportunities. And those opportunities are sometimes going to be painful. We're going to call some of those opportunities problems. We're going to call some of those opportunities bumps in the road. But he's going to bring about opportunities in our life that are going to give us the uh, ability to learn how to respond in a way that conforms us closer and closer to the character of Jesus Christ. And so that's a character that's fully dependent on God, on His Word, on His grace to navigate the trials of life. And if we were to think about it from a big picture standpoint, for most of us, it's the spirit of independence that lives in our heart that we're going to have the most difficult thing, or the most difficult time, walking away from or letting go of this reality that we're called to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God means that we're going to have to weigh every thought that proceeds from the heart of man. And uh, while that's the challenge, it seems daunting at times, the Lord gives us the ability. He gives us the grace, and then I would say he gives us the responsibility of walking that out in our lives.
1: So we're talking today with Pastor Lewis Sacron, the pastor of Ripley Primitive Baptist Church in Ripley, Mississippi. Lewis is a pastor, obviously, he's also a certified biblical counselor. And we're going to circle back to some of what we've already talked about and expound on this more. But, Lewis, before we go further, some may be wondering what distinguishes biblical counseling from other schools of counseling? Because there's, there's lots of counselors out there. So, what do we mean when we say biblical counseling?
0: So when we say biblical counseling, what we mean is that the authority that we're going to look to before we begin to try to interpret or before we begin to try to give direction and guidance to another individual, the authority that's going to guide that is the Word of God. So in the counseling world, you have lots of different approaches. You have what we would call the secular approach, which would be based on Freudian ideology and Rogerian and and other other theorists in that realm. Uh, Then you have what would be called Christian counseling, which is an integrated approach where they would try to take people like Freud and Rogers and, and other theorists and use those alongside of Scripture then you would have biblical counseling, and biblical counselors say that we believe that the scriptures are sufficient and that the scriptures are what we need to be able to navigate life in a way that brings honor and glory to God, that he has spoken. He has spoken clearly. He has spoken relevantly to the issues of life and godliness, and we do not depend on man's theories to make up for any perceived lack that we someone might think that we have in Scripture. We don't believe that there's a void that exists there.
1: Well, what do you think are some of the roadblocks for believers sitting in the church pew, professing faith in Christ, sitting under the sound of the gospel, serving in their churches, etc., but they have problem in their life? Maybe it's a dad who just tends to lose it with his family, just blows up in anger. Maybe there's someone who's struggling with pornography. Uh, Maybe it's someone who is just, they just are gripped by fear all of the time. There's any number of, of problems that we could mention. What are some of the roadblocks that hinder people like that from going to their pastor, going to a trusted, mature member in the church for help and for counsel with their problem?
0: Yeah, so I would say that a couple of those roadblocks. Number one, I think, would be a um, an underdeveloped understanding of salvation. And, and what I mean by that is just the aspect of sanctification in the life of the believer. Sanctification just being that part of salvation where the Lord is at work, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, and He is helping us to grow and to mature in grace. And there are so many people who have the the mindset that, well, you know, I just struggle with anger and I just struggle with blowing up and, and that's just part of my personality and that's just who I am. And I'm thankful there's grace for that as far as forgiveness goes, but more than likely on this side of heaven, I probably never will have victory over that. Well, you know, according to Scripture, every believer has the ability, capacity, and has been equipped to be able to overcome. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean that it is going to be a one and done to where you find the silver bullet that gets rid of your temper or your anger problem. But it does mean that the Lord has given us the resources to fulfill the calling that we have on our lives. And so, again, to make a long answer short, a misunderstanding of sanctification and what God intends to do through sanctification. And then I would say probably, secondly, what would keep someone from going to their pastor with with an issue like that or a problem like that is a very common notion that if I were to open up and I were to bring these problems to my pastor, then it would completely hinder my ability to have a real authentic or meaningful relationship with him, that every time he sees me, he's going to see me through the lens of this problem, and it's not going to allow us to have the maybe close relationship we would have otherwise. And so for those who may struggle with that, I would just say that as a pastor, I've walked through lots of messy situations with members of my church and honestly members of the community. And as far as my relationships go, I am far closer to those that I have walked with through pretty serious issues things that would be embarrassing to confess and work through and as the lord has blessed us to be able to walk together during those times he has also strengthened and given us a relationship and a friendship that is far deeper than it could have ever been and so your pastor has been given to you by the lord to shepherd you and um, i would just encourage you just in general that if you have spiritual issues like that if you're struggling with anger uh, young men or, or or really young women, either one. If you're struggling with issues of the heart, then I would encourage you that one of the resources the Lord has given you to help you through your sanctification is your pastor.
1: Isn't it part of it too? And it's really just kind of what you touched on—just kind of this embarrassment, you know, of man that I just probably the worst person in this church. And so I would—it would be more comfortable for me. It would be easier for me to just. Keep wearing this fake image that I'm smiling, everything's going great, but really I'm just—I'm miserable inside, and I don't want to be this way. You know, I love the Lord, and I want to overcome this, but I just can't get past that hurdle of the embarrassment that it would mean. Have you met with that, some of your members?
0: Absolutely. And one of the common things that I've said in the pulpit over the years is that it is vital that we become comfortable with the reality that we are sinners. Now, it doesn't mean that you become comfortable with your sin, but if Christ did not come for the righteous, but if he came to call sinners to repentance, then our connection to Christ as far as going to him for grace and mercy and help is the fact that we are sinners in need. And so, so often, again, we think about concepts like grace and mercy and salvation, and we think that from an informational standpoint about how all the dots are connected and how we can develop those things and talk about those things. Uh, But the truth is, the only person who needs grace is the one who actually struggles with sin. The only person who needs mercy is the individual who's actually struggling with sin and the only one who really needs salvation is not the person who struggled with sin one time a long time ago before they were converted, right? But salvation is an ongoing process in our life. And so it's vital if we're going to be living a life that is seeking to put sin to death, which is what we've been called to do, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, then at first, uh, before we're going to even engage in that, we're going to have to acknowledge that we struggle with real sin, And we have real temptation on a regular basis. And it's embarrassing to do that, but you know it's a freeing thing whenever a group of people can come together and have enough, uh, not just comfort with one another, but but a, a commitment to loving one another, helping one another, having a biblical idea of what an edifying relationship from a spiritual standpoint is supposed to look like that we can be vulnerable and we can find the encouragement that we need. Like, Satan would love for us all live behind a mask and do that under the guise that I'm making God look good right now by living a life that doesn't seem to be affected by sin. And uh, that's just not what we find in Scripture.
1: Lewis, you pursued a certification in biblical counseling. What led you to do that, and does every pastor have to do that in order to be effective in this kind of a ministry?
0: So I've been interested in counseling for a long time, and early on, my pastor in Middle Tennessee introduced me to Jay Adams. I was intrigued by the, uh, uh, the whole concept of biblical counseling. Later on, I decided to pursue a, a master's in counseling at Ole Miss. I was in education. And so I did that, and then shortly after, I began to pursue my certification in biblical counseling just as the add-on for that and for the purpose of trying to develop and sharpen my skills as someone who handles the Word of God and as someone who is seeking to minister to other people in a pastoral-type setting or even in an evangelistic-type setting. So for me, it's something that I am naturally drawn to. I enjoy the relational aspect of it, the ministry aspect of it. But you ask if if I think everyone needs to pursue certification in that. And so I would just say that as I was pursuing certification, and really as I was kind of getting my feet wet in biblical counseling, I was doing that alongside of of another pastor who was your older brother, Isaac. I pastored as his associate pastor for many years. Isaac and I did a lot of our counseling together, And while I was pursuing certification, Isaac has not done that. And I would say to uh, anyone who's listening who feels like certification or anything like that might be a time constraint you just could not hit, that if I had a family member today who was having spiritual issues or having issues in life and they needed someone with wisdom to speak into their life, Isaac Guess is the number one person on my list. And he has never gone through to receive any sort of certification. But he is a man who knows the Word of God. He is a man who who loves people, and uh, he is a man that God has called and equipped to minister his word to his people and does it very, very well. In a lot of ways, he does it better than I do. I do think for people who are interested, certification can be very, very helpful, but I don't think it's essential in order for you to be able to minister. And and
1: when you say that, Lewis, you're not saying it's okay to be lazy and not sharpen your skills. The reality is there are treasure trove of resources, of, of books that have been written, of studies and sermons and so many things where people have dealt with specific problems and have spent many, many years dealing with with counseling specific problems from the Word of God. So there's lots of ways, if pastors don't have the time to go pursue a certification, even though that can be very valuable, there's many ways that pastors can be diligent in equipping themselves to be more effective.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So there there probably has never been a better time as far as just the abundance of resources in biblical counseling than there is right now. Another route for that is just this, this this reality that as pastors sometimes we can be a little territorial. We can feel like maybe we're competing with the pastor down the street or something like that. But one of the biggest blessings that I've had is picking up the phone when I feel like I'm I may be in over my head and calling someone, another pastor or maybe another biblical counselor who's maybe has a little more experience than I do in a particular area and asking for help. And it has always been a blessing for me. So we do believe that the Word of God is sufficient. We do not believe that the man of God is always sufficient, right? And so we need one another to sharpen one another. So early on, I had a a scenario with addiction. The first thing I did was find a biblical counseling ministry that dealt with addictions. I gave the guy a call. His name was Tim Brown, and he was more than willing to help and get us pointed in the right direction. I'm friends with Tim now, and uh, enjoy his fellowship, and continue to enjoy his his counsel on issues where I might have a little less experience than he does. So the resources are good when it comes to books, but I would also say not or encourage you not to neglect the people who have been doing this for a while and may have some more wisdom, more experience than you do to kind of help you along the way.
1: Lewis, God has not just called pastors to be counselors, right? That the Lord in the Scriptures makes it clear that that believers who are walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, who know the Word of God, who have experience with God, are equipped and grow to become more equipped to counsel and to encourage and help one another with their problems Comment on that briefly, and also, where would you point somebody who says, I want to know more, I want to learn more, I want to read more on addiction, I want to read more on helping someone with an anger problem. Briefly, comment on where would you point folks to for resources, and also comment on non-pastors helping one another.
0: Yeah, so I think it is vital that non-pastors join in on the ministry opportunities that are out there. So just to give you an example of that, I do counseling in our church. I also do counseling in our community. And there are plenty of times where I have to either put someone on a waiting list or try to redirect them to find someone else because I just do not have the time. My schedule is booked. I've got too many sessions going as it is, and then at the same time trying to pastor a church. And so uh, there are different counseling centers, biblical counseling centers throughout the country, where you have members who are doing the bulk of the counseling you have pastors who are overseeing that, and it ends up becoming a real evangelistic opportunity for that church to be able to take people, walk through their issues, point them to Jesus Christ, the sufficiency of Scripture. And it's an exciting thing to see when a church catches the vision of just how the Lord might be able to use them. I was, I was having uh, casting this vision for our church a couple of months ago of what a wonderful thing it would be if we were known as the church in town where if you were struggling, if you had a problem in your life, that you could come to our church and there would be a group of people who would love you, care for you, minister the Word of God to you, and seek to help you as you walk through that issue. I think it's a beautiful vision for the church. I think it's a biblical vision for the church, particularly in line with the Great Commission, And so at our church, I've got some younger folks that have expressed interest in biblical counseling, and so I started out by giving them a couple of resources, typically start out with Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand by Paul David Tripp, Um, and then I've got a few that are looking into pursuing ACBC certification, and uh, you can go to to, to, biblicalcounseling.com to get more information on that. While I said that I don't think everyone has to go that route, I think that anyone who wants to grow in their confidence and in their ability in in ministering the word of God cannot go wrong by um, by pursuing certification or by pursuing uh, training through um, ACBC. The time. Uh, so as far as finding resources on particular problems, uh, there is a good website called It's. Uh, BiblicalCounselingBooks.com, and they have those resources divided up. By you can search by topic, um, and and you can have all kind. You have access to all kinds of resources uh, on all kinds of different topics. And so that's as you know, if I had to give a short answer, that's what I would encourage those listening to do. If uh, if you wanted to learn more about anger, or if you wanted to learn more about uh, uh, breaking free from uh, lust and, and pornography and purity issues, those kinds of things, um, even decision making. Uh, we just—it's just incredible how the Lord has used different people to articulate so well what the Scriptures have to say about these different topics.
1: BiblicalCounseling.com dot com and BiblicalCounselingBooks.com. dot com. Lewis Sacron, pastor of Ripley Primitive Baptist Church, has been our guest today here on Mid-South Viewpoint. We've been talking about the pastor of the church and biblical counseling. Lewis, thank you so much for being with us. The time has gone by way too fast. We've had a great conversation, and I really hope that this uh, conversation has been an encouragement to pastors and, and non-pastors alike. Lewis, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Tim. Folks, that's all the time we have for this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for listening.
2: Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Novage. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen pollution. You know the things in Memphis air. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navaj report feeling healthier, Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navaj part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navaj.com. That's Navaj.com. Or you can find Navaj at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navaj, N-A-V-A-G-E.